0: You are listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at sungrove.org. Welcome to the community of Sun Grove Church. If you are new with us today, the first two installments of these three different little venues of people that we've been watching, the first two installments are on the last two weeks of our sermons online. You can find those there. We're going to wrap it up all together next week. But all of this comes from Mark chapter 1. We believe that Jesus really shows us the pattern for spiritual growth. In Mark chapter 1, Jesus comes down to the river to be baptized. And as he's coming down to the river to be baptized, God speaks from heaven and says, This is my son whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. And just instantly gives the identity of Christ right then. This is God's son whom he loves, with whom he's well pleased. As you and I identify with Christ, that's your identity. You. You are my son or my daughter whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased. We walk into a church like this today and you think our identity is based on performance, right? How have I been doing in recent months? How have I been doing in recent weeks? And then obviously God's going to look at me based on how I've been doing, but Jesus shows us right away that God's impression of us is that you were my son or my daughter whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. Then Jesus goes out into the wilderness. And the wilderness in those areas is like the desert land. It says where the wild animals uh, dwell. And Jesus goes out into this desert area. He fasts for 40 days. He is tempted by the devil in three different ways. And so he's tried and tested and tempted. and, And we call that season formation. That a person goes from their new identity to being formed. And what happens for us is you and I come to Christ. We have this new identity in Jesus. Then we start to go back to our lives and we feel like a failure. Like, I just fell down. I fell into the same old temptation. I fell into the same old routine. I fell into the same old thing. Maybe my performance is, in fact, my identity. And God's saying, no, 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 you don't understand. You must go through a time of being tried and tested and tempted for you to truly know that your identity is in me. And that's a place where you grow and build spiritual weight to depend on me so that you can do great things. You've got to go through trial and test and temptation. And then Jesus comes back in Mark chapter 1, and he does what you and I often would do. He comes back after being baptized and then being tried, tested, and tempted. He comes back and surrounds himself with community. He chooses friends. It won't be on the screens, but listen to me as I read from Mark chapter 1, verse 16. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, Follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets, and they followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. And without delay, he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men, and they followed him. So Jesus goes on, he begins to choose his disciples. He chooses the 12 that he's going to hang out with over the next three years as he's gone through identity, as he's in formation, as he begins to build community around himself, then he's going to go out on mission. But you need to notice that Jesus hasn't fulfilled or accomplished his mission until he's gone through identity, formation, community, and on to mission. You and I are the same way, that we understand our identity in Christ, that we're found by God, that we associate with him. And then we go through a season where we're tried, tested, tempted. Then we begin to build community around ourselves and sometimes we need new community. We need to come back to the community that God has called us to. And you might be here today and you came along with a friend and you're excited to be here with that friend or you feel like, well maybe this is their community but it's not really mine. But you need to realize when we are called to the community of God, we belong. I'm so excited to see my friend Jake here today buddy that I've had lunch with, and just a good guy, able to be here, because he belongs in community. How many of you have ever, maybe when you were growing up, you loved to climb trees? Anybody here just loved to climb trees? You did that all the time, right? Any of you have a fort, fort in the trees? Come on. Almost like the sandlot, right? How many of you, anyone ever been scared by a bear up into a tree? <laughs> any, any bears up into a tree? No? Well, that's good, because bears can climb trees. just want to let you know that. Uh, When I was working at a dude ranch in Colorado uh, for a summer, I'm from LA, (laughs) but I went out to work at a dude ranch uh, in Colorado, and um, one day all these people come running down from the swimming pool, and it's like a... Four-star resort, like really nice place. So they all come running down from the swimming pool, like their towels and their, you know, stuff just dragging. Well, a bear had come down and just thought it was a lake and just jumped in while people were in the swimming pool. And so we had to grab the shotguns and we like shoot up in the air and we chase it. Well, the bear ran and went up a tree, right? So it goes up a tree and it's all of a sudden up in the tree, the bear thinks I've got distance, but think about it. It's like a bear that gets treed by the coons so the hunter can come get it, right? It's instantly vulnerable being up in the tree. And so we kind of backed off a little bit, and the bear realizes I'm caught, I'm vulnerable, so he's like, starts to come, slide down a little bit, and he's going like, he just goes, <laughs> that's what bears do. It's really weird. You don't think they, they sound like a dog, but they do. And they'll be like, <laughs> and then he finally gets down to the bottom, he just runs off into the forest, and we shoot you know, up in the air one more time, and just trying to scare it away because we don't want him to know that uh, the swimming pool is not for him. It's for our guests, and he's not paying rent, so uh, <laughs> it's really not for him. So there are those times that you and I, maybe we climbed a tree. I used to play war with my friends when, you know, we were younger, and and we would, uh, I love climbing the tree because I could get a great view and I could like snipe my friends. And this was back in the day before they had little orange tips on the guns or the whole gun was orange, which means you could get like shot by the police if they thought it was, you know, a real gun. You had to be real careful. But we were out there, you know, playing in this wash area and there's big trees. And, and even sometimes people like crawl, you know, do like the army man crawl on their elbows and their knees. And they'd sneak up around the tree and they'd be like looking around the corner, laying down. And I'm in the tree just looking at them like, I could just drop a pine cone on you. You know, that kind of thing. And, and I would easily snipe them. But when I got spotted, then I'm vulnerable, right? I can't get out of that tree fast enough to get away. I'm elevated. I'm puffed up. But I'm vulnerable. Like a bear, treed. One of the most amazing things about Jesus is that he came to earth And he rarely spent time with religious people. You would think God become flesh would come to earth and hang out with the religious folk. But you watch Jesus and he rarely hung out with the religious people. Though Jesus was a righteous person, he was without sin. He always tried to get in front of unrighteous people. When Jesus showed up in the first century, ungodly people liked him. And he liked them, and and they weren't intimidated by him. You know, more than likely they were thinking, you know, if only he knew about last weekend, right? If only he knew about my spring break trip down to the Sea of Galilee, right? If only God knew what was really going on right now in my head, in my heart, in my life. But nevertheless, the fact remained that people who were nothing like him, flocked to hear him. Pastor Anne Lee Stanley says, uh, says, he says, any organization, any business, any movement must answer the tension between reaching non-customers and merely keeping up with the status quo. The local church is supposed to be the eyes and the hands and the ears and the feet of Jesus in our culture. But for some reason, we drift from having the same effect on people that Jesus did. So the question is, why was Jesus so attractive to people who were nothing like him? The answer to that question will do more to determine the future of any church or any organization, right? Do you keep up with the customers you already have or do you go looking for the least of these lost, new revenue streams of business? If you're in a business, if you're in a church, you say, listen, what did Jesus do? He came to seek and save the lost. He didn't come down to gather around himself all the religious people and say, hey, nice job out there. You guys are meeting your quotas. That's not what Jesus did. He came like a doctor to help the sick. He came like a prophet to bring revealed truth to the lost. He came as a suffering servant to take your sin and mine upon himself on the cross and pay for it. And he came to offer eternal life for those who would put their faith and their trust in him. So we have to ask the question, are we focused on reaching people more than simply keeping people? Think about your own life. Think about your own Christian walk. When you think of community... Do you think of like, I go to church to, I'm looking forward to all the people I'll see at church today. And you're thinking about who makes up your community and what faces you'll see and what conversations you'll have and, and what you'll hear from up front. I mean, are you thinking like, I'll, you know, I'll gather and, and be together in community? Or are you thinking, who else could I invite into community? When's the last time maybe you invited somebody to come on into church, to, to come along with you? Because the fact remains that Jesus loves the furthest out person. If you're here and you're not a Christian or maybe you used to be or you're trying to figure Jesus out or you had a bad experience with a church or you just don't know what you believe, if you were to run into Jesus, say he was just right here in church today, you ran into him, you would like him and he would like you. And you would look into his pure and his holy and his awesome eyes and you would be drawn to him even though he knows everything about you and knows you fully and you would look into those eyes and know that you were loved by him. In the Jewish first century there was a distinction between sinners and tax collectors. See, everybody might think, well I'm a sinner, Or there might be people who were living in certain types of sin. They weren't following the Old Testament law, so they would consider themselves a sinner. But even if you were the most ungodly person, you could always say, well, at least I'm not a tax gatherer. Okay? Because a tax gatherer was the worst kind of sinner. They were the kind of person who rejected their brothers and sisters. They rejected Israel. They began to serve Rome, and they would collect taxes. They would actually do this. They would bid to get the job to be a tax gatherer. So they would betray their own people, they would serve Rome, and Rome would say, you must bring in, from all the people that are in your region, you must bring in this much tax to us. Now, we expect you to make a living, so bring in as much as you want, above and beyond it, just as long as we get our taxes, you can pad your pockets by taking more than we require. And by the way, here's two Roman soldiers to break kneecaps if anybody gives you trouble. And so these people, these tax gatherers, rejected their heritage, rejected their people, rejected community, and they were the enemy. And so even if you were the most ungodly person, you could always say, well, at least I'm not as bad as them. Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to your neighbor and I want to say, at least I'm not a tax gatherer, okay? So turn to your neighbors and say that to one another. They might call you a sinner. They might say you are so far from perfect. You were not, you know, the best, but at least you're not taxed. Now you gotta understand that above the tax gatherers was the chief tax collector. And Jesus walked up to a tax gatherer named Matthew and said, Matthew, follow me. And he left his tax gathering job and he became one of Jesus' disciples. Isn't that interesting? that one of the 12 that Jesus brought right around himself, people would look at and they would recognize and say, that guy used to be a tax gatherer. And Jesus said, he's one of my inner circle. But above all these tax gatherers would be a regional guy. And this regional guy would be the chief tax collector And what would happen, it was like a Roman pyramid scheme that he would be on the take as as the tax gatherers would take excess from the people they were gathering taxes from. He would pad his pockets with taking a cut of everything they took. So it was like just a pyramid scheme. And he would just look at himself and make himself wealthy. He would say, I gladly reject my community because I'm concerned about myself. And he would basically look at people like sheep. They're just sheep. He'd look with disdain. They're just sheep led to slaughter. They're just, I'm just fleecing. These are the sheep that I'm fleecing to pad my own pockets. And so people could always say, no matter how ungodly I am, at least I'm not a tax gatherer. So Jesus, after being tried and tested and tempted in the desert, travels from Jerusalem out of the mountains to the desert valley. And the city of Jericho would be like going to Palm Desert. You go out of the mountains that are maybe nearby and down into Palm Springs, Palm Desert area. And it would be a luxury oasis kind of area. And so Jesus travels out there and, and in this town lives a man named Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus was a small little man, as the, the child song says, he was a wee little man. Okay, he was a man who was short in stature, but you got to understand, Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. He was a little man who thought that his wealth made him a big man. He probably would have driven a highly elevated truck, you know, with a massively lifted suspension and just being a little guy, but there wasn't any trucks in that day and age. So literally he just padded himself. He elevated himself being a little short person who thought he was a big man because of his wealth, but he was alone. And so in Luke chapter 19, if you have your Bibles open there with me, Luke chapter 19, beginning with verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through, and a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy and he wanted to see who jesus was because he was short and he couldn't see over the crowd so he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since jesus was coming that way and when jesus reached the spot he looked up to him and said zacchaeus come down immediately i must stay at your house today so he came down at once and he welcomed him gladly picture this for a minute Zacchaeus, he's small. He wants to see Jesus because Jesus is the most popular guy in the region right now. He's just the, all the talk is about Jesus. And, And Zacchaeus says, well, I'll run ahead. I know where he'll be trekking and I'll run ahead and I'll get up in this tree and I'll be in this elevated perch position over all the sheep that I fleece. And as the crowd, the sheep come this way, I will see Jesus. And so he's in this elevated position thinking this is pretty much where I like to be. I love being in an elevated position, but I didn't realize that his elevated position made him vulnerable when he got spotted. All the people milling about probably didn't care who the guy in the tree was. They didn't take note because they were all taking note of Jesus, but Jesus noticed who was in the tree and called them out. And so suddenly all eyes are now on Zacchaeus, He's up in the tree. He's been spotted. He's vulnerable. And he's thinking that Jesus is going to turn to him and say, Zacchaeus, you've been cheating all these people, haven't you? You've rejected your heritage, your nation. You call yourself a Jewish person. But you are not a Jew. You're a thief. You're a traitor. It's not what Jesus says at all. Jesus looks up and sees Zacchaeus and says, Zacchaeus, come down. I must stay at your house today. There were some religious people in the crowd who I'm sure were like, Jesus, this prophet-like person's coming to town. Maybe he'll stay with me because I'm the recognized religious leader of the city. And Jesus doesn't. He sees the chief tax collector and he calls him down out of the tree. The guy who is redeemed intentionally rejected community and he calls him down and Zacchaeus welcomed him gladly. Hey, this is good. He didn't do what I thought he might do. This is another chance to puff myself up. If you're taking notes today, not only are we have to ask the question, are we focused on reaching people more than simply keeping people? We have to say this, that I need to look for people outside the church to intentionally include in the body of Christ. I need to open my eyes and see the unseen. I need to see the person who intentionally actually rejects community and look for opportunity to include them in the body of Christ. Look at verse seven. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Okay, mutters an onomatopoeia, right? It's one of those words that sounds like what it... Says, mutter, 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 right? When you mutter, I want you to, everyone to say mutter to each other, okay? Just do that. Turn, look and say mutter. Yeah, that's what it sounds like, right? But what they were saying to each other is, oh my gosh, he's going to be the guest of a sinner. Like someone wants to step in and be like, hey, Jesus, uh, you don't realize who that guy is? I mean, maybe you knew his name. It could be the name tags as we came into town, but I'm not sure. But you got to realize this guy is a traitor and a thief. And they're like, want to give Jesus like, the, look, here's his rap sheet. Don't you understand what you just did? Like, let me save you from the embarrassment. The disciples see that Jesus is going to go. And they know they're not going to change his mind. And they probably call up the Hampton Inn and we're like, yeah, we need a reservation tonight. Uh, And the Hampton Inn says, hey, oh, it's Jesus? Okay, so it's the normal 13 of you. And they're like, no, 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 no. I think just 12 of us will be with you tonight. I think Jesus is hanging out with Zacchaeus. And, you know, the shock on the other end of the phone. There's a silence. They begin to mutter. He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. Who around you intentionally rejects community? Doesn't want to go, doesn't want to be there? Isolates themselves. Maybe it's a self-sufficient rich person I'm rich. I don't don't need that stuff. Maybe they look at religion as being some sort of crutch. Maybe they look at how they can fleece the sheep. That's for sheep. I don't go there. That's for sheep, for all those people who are my clients, who basically I'm fleecing their pockets to increase my own wealth. I don't need to go there. That's for those kind of people. And Jesus would look and say, come into community because these are sheep and you're a sheep and I'm a good shepherd. And I will lead you in the path of righteousness where there's good water and good grass and life, real life. Not what you've been experiencing, which is so far from life. Maybe it's the self-sufficient rich person. Perhaps it's the invisible person. You know what I'm talking about. That person that nobody notices that they just float in, there's nothing attractive about them, there's maybe nothing beautiful, there's no outstanding giftedness. They can just float in and float out, and society doesn't really see that person. They just walk through and they hate it because they know I'm invisible, people don't notice me, and in all intents and purposes, I'm unseen. And is Jesus giving you eyes to see the person who knows that they are invisible in culture. Maybe it's the workaholic. My position, my title, my work is so compulsively an addiction that I intentionally reject community. I reject community out there as far as church. I reject community even in my own family because they, frankly, are taking me away from my work. And they're isolated, and they're puffed up, and they're elevated, but they're lonely, maybe it's the person that you would think that person would never accept an invitation to go to church. All right. Thanksgiving is coming up. I want you to think for a minute. Who's that person in your family or who you gather with at Thanksgiving? Who's like the furthest out person. If you're like, Hey, I invited them to church. They would be like, heck no. And they probably wouldn't say heck. Who's the furthest out person. Who's the person who's been crossing your path more than once. Maybe you're out and about and you're like, I bumped into this person. And I'm bumping into them again and I think I saw them over at this place and, and maybe I bumped into them again. And maybe God's got an appointment for you with that person. Maybe that's no accident. Maybe your paths keep crossing because God is saying, listen, I want to help you understand and look for this person. Maybe it's the checker at Trader Joe's or it's the gas station attendant or the receptionist at your doctor's office who seems too busy with checking everybody in that they're almost like I'm rejecting community because everybody's got a health issue. Everybody's got a problem. I don't have time to hear all that, but maybe they need Jesus. Maybe it's that person with all the crazy tattoos or how they look. Maybe it's the door-to-door Xfinity guy. Okay, a couple of weeks ago out front, I'm working in my yard. And uh, this guy, I see him going door to door. You know how it is. You see the dude, you're like, should I go inside? Like, you know what I'm talking about? Like, I don't wanna to talk to that person. They're gonna come knocking at my door. What do they want? You know, salesman. Some dude walking in the neighborhood with a clip beard and a lanyard. You're just like, you know, okay. Don't wanna, you know, don't wanna talk. So he goes next door and as he's walking up to my driveway and I'm working in the little plants right there, I'm like, hey, we're not interested. I'm just like, yeah, I just don't wanna, just let the guy know up front so we can just keep going, right? He stops and he goes, You don't even know who I am. (laughs) You know what? He was right. I had no idea who the guy was. I didn't know what he was selling. And he goes, You're one of our customers. I'm with Xfinity. He pulls up on his little iPad, like, You're a customer. You're so and so. He's already got my information right there. Yeah, I am. He goes, Well, we actually just upped. All the speeds in your area, I want to make sure you're getting full access. So we pulled up my phone and we checked out, you know, to the, to the Wi-Fi. Was it? Yes, I had increased speed. He was actually there to help me. But I was, was like, hey, not interested. Keep it going. Keep moving on. Come on by. Get out of here. Go bother some other neighborhood, right? Does God give you and I the eyes to see? The people around us, as we begin to talk, he just shared. He goes, yeah, you know, actually, he, he's married. He, they're expecting a child. Uh, and how exciting that is. And, and yet they have lost a child. And so how much more exciting now this new pregnancy would be after having a miscarriage. And was able to invite him to church. Someday he might show up. Do we have eyes to see the people right around us? Maybe it's somebody you can invite to a Christmas party at a church. Maybe it's somebody that you can begin to reach to during a Thanksgiving dinner. You know what? We have people come to the Discover class to, how to move from being a guest to being part of the family here at Sun Grove Church. And what we ask during that is we ask you to sign a unity covenant and what that looks like. And then we ask you to give us some information and we ask you to tell us your story. What's your story? How did you come to Jesus? Type it out, email it into to us. I read every single one of those because to me, there's nothing more exciting than the story of how God has been reaching to you and has drawn you to himself and so often it has so little to do with just weekend service at a church, although a lot of times that's the final resting place, if you will, the final place where people are like, yes, I make a decision for Christ. But I read those stories and I love them, and what I see as a common thread through a lot of those stories is that inevitably they had some nagging friend who wouldn't give up on them and just kept inviting them to church, who just would not stop believing in them and just say, like, just come with me, just come. And they're like, finally, fine. And they walk in and there's not pews and there's good music and they just, they're blown away and it you know, didn't look like a church and they like the people. Do we have eyes to see the people that Jesus is putting around us? Luke 19, verse 8. But Zacchaeus stood up. And said to the Lord, Lord, look here, and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if, by the way, it wouldn't be if I've cheated anybody, it would be since, right? Since I've cheated some people, because I'm a tax gatherer, it's what I do. I'm a chief tax gatherer. If I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. It's crazy. It's crazy. Right away, he's just saying, I want to make huge money. Half my wealth goes to the poor. The other part, if I've cheated anybody, I have anything, I'll give back four times the amount. The law, the Old Testament law said, if you've cheated somebody, pay back the amount and add 20%. Because you've been a jerk. <laughs> what does Zacchaeus do? He goes, I don't care what the Old Testament law says. I understand that now that I've come into relationship with God, I need to make things right with people whom I've offended and sinned against. That because I've been forgiven much, I need to seek out forgiveness for those that I have offended, those that I have troubled. Could you imagine if you were one of the people that Zacchaeus had ripped off? Like every year he came to my house to collect taxes and he took way too much and I look at his house compared to my house, and I know that they've just been ripping us all off. And then Jesus comes and says at his house, and then he's like, hey, you just found religion. And just said he changed. We should let him back in the synagogue. You'd never trust it, would you? I wouldn't either. What does he do? He understands. Since, God, I'm in relationship with you, and you've forgiven me everything, I need to make things right with my brothers and my sisters that when we come into a horizontal relationship with God, we understand that that relationship is such a gift that we need to turn around and begin to give to those around us. It's called having a fearless moral inventory, that we take stock of where we are right now and where we've been, and we take responsibility to repair what we can, and we can't always repair what we've done, but we take the initiative, the responsibility to do what we can. And that's what Zacchaeus does when someone is intentionally included and is transformed by Jesus, they instinctively give to restore where they have broken community with others. Luke 19, verse 9 and 10, Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a... Now listen to this. It's a new title. It's a new identity. He says, This man too is a son of Abraham. In other words, he's a restored Jewish person. He has full sonship with our father Abraham, the patriarch for the son of man, came to seek and save what was lost. What restored him to a new identity? It was his relationship with Jesus. And Jesus, whom God said from heaven is my son, whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased Jesus, as God become flesh, says, this man has a new title and a new identity. Then he's going to go through formation, then he's going to choose community around him, then he'll get on mission. He's tried to jump straight to mission. But there'll be a little spiritual growth progress that happens for all of us, amen? And whenever we get confused and we think our community is our identity, it's all about me and my friends and our group. God comes in and interrupts that and says, no, let me bring you back to identity. Are you more concerned with reaching people or keeping people? Are you more concerned with keeping things the way that they are because it's comfortable for you, or are you more concerned with reaching people? And Zacchaeus right away understood Jesus as the only way to be saved. He says, this man has a new identity, not tax gatherer, not sinner but son of Abraham and child of God. I think Jesus would say to all the religious folk, all the, maybe you're a Christian in the room, all the Christians out there, he would say, listen, you are not my primary focus. Are you important? Yes, yes. Do I love you? Yes, you're my son or my daughter whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased. But listen, you don't understand why I came. If Jesus walked in this room today, he would look around and say, you Christians, you are not actually my primary focus of why I'm here today. Now what we do as a church, I believe, is very honoring to God. But if you're here and you're far away from God, you're here and you're like, I shouldn't be, I don't want to be. If that's you today, then I need to let you know that you are far more valuable to God than I am. Or any of the people who call this their community are. You are his focus. The funny thing is, we've all been one of those people. At some point, you and I were lost. And God was seeking us, and he drew us to himself. You see, the church that Jesus would go to is a church that is so attractive to the unchurched and the unrighteous and the broken relationship people that if Jesus walked through those doors in the back today and came on in here, he would look around and he'd say, wow, they're all here. My sons and my daughters and those who will soon be My sons and my daughters. That's the church Jesus would go to. How do you and I be intentional about community? I wanna let you know that every holiday event, even every sporting event is opportunity for you to invite somebody, is opportunity for you to love on somebody, to have a spiritual conversation. People who reject community, that's your opportunity to draw them back in to community. You may have gone to the same place for the Super Bowl every year. Well, this year, we want to help you. We want to help you. We're going to put together a little DVD that helps you bring a testimony. It might be Tony Dungy or some other type people on there. It might be 10 minutes. Have a little thing about Sun Grove Church at the end. We want you to take Jesus to the Super Bowl party you've gone to for years. And at the end of the Super Bowl or if it's a blowout like it was last year, poor Broncos, um, (laughs) which my team, oh, Lord. But, you know. (laughs) But if it's that you put it in at halftime, DVR all the stuff, get back to it, but it just might start a conversation. Little 10-minute video on DVD. You take Jesus to what you already do. Take Jesus out of this room, out of here, and bring him to where you're already going, giving eyes to see. You might see people struggling with parenting and say, let's go to the parenting class at Sun Grove Church. gives you great skills to be able to parent because it's so hard to be a parent. And maybe you go with them to the first couple sessions and, and you're just experiencing that together. But it's a person who's like, I'm, I'm not seeking Jesus right now. I just want to know how to be a good parent. Well, we'll help. Maybe it's a person saying, I, I'm not seeking Jesus right now. I just need financial help. Well, bring him to Financial Peace University. Help them understand how they can reduce debt and invest wisely. And follow biblical principles. So all of a sudden it clicks for them. Wow, maybe... The author of the Bible knows what he's talking about. And maybe he has more to say about the rest of the way that I live. Maybe for you, it's you're talking to friends about their hurts and their habits and the hang-ups and you go, listen, I'll go with you the first night. Let's go to, let's go to CR. I'll go with you. I'll sit with you through the introductory class and just help you get connected with just real down-to-earth people who are experiencing hurts and habits and hang-ups. And, and you're going to get into community like we saw in the video and you'll begin to Experience healing there. Right now would be a great time to reach to undocumented neighbors and immigrants, to invite them into community, irrespective of political spectrum, to invite them into a place where they are loved for being a son or a daughter of the Most High God. Invite them to community you're a young adult. Maybe you've never been to 722. 722 is our ministry for young adults. And tonight they've got, yeah, we got some young adults down here. Tonight they've got a Thanksgiving party right here at church, and they're going to throw a Thanksgiving dinner. And it would be a great thing. You you don't have to register. You don't have to call ahead. If you're a young adult and you've never been to that ministry, then basically you just show up tonight, and they're going to have just a turkey dinner. You're going to get to know some new friends. And all of a sudden, step into community and make some friendships that matter in your life. Can you imagine if a year later we look back and say this, I played some part in someone crossing the line of faith. Maybe not the main part. It may not be that you got to sit down and pray with somebody. Maybe you did, which would be so awesome. But could you imagine if for just a minute you just said, I just made an invite and then I had no idea that God was going to grab a hold of them like that. And look at what has transpired in the condition of their life. How much it's changed in just a year. Maybe you're here today because someone coerced you into being here. Perhaps it was a parent or your neighbor, or you had a persistent friend who just won't give up on you. And maybe you're here today and you struggle. You just struggle and you walk through those doors and say, what am I doing in a church? Like, I don't belong here. Because you know the condition of your life, and you just thought, you know, I don't even know if I buy all this, but I'll be back because I like the people. I want you to know that there's a very real God, he said, I love people so much and they are separated from me. They are outside of community. They will never go to heaven because of the condition of their life. But I love them so much that I am willing to leave and become flesh in Christ. And that gift at Christmas is the greatest gift ever given. We're so happy about it, we give gifts to each other. But he lived a perfect life and then he stretched out his arms and he says, I will take all their sin upon myself. I will pay for it before a righteous God I will be in the grave dead for three days I will conquer the grave I will rise to new life and then I will offer if they put their faith in what I did not how they performed tax gatherers and sinners and ungodly people not how they performed but what I did on the cross if they put their faith and trust in me as the way to be saved they will have eternal life will you just bow your heads close your eyes so you're only thinking about your life right now if today that's you You're just realizing, I couldn't, with all the wealth of Zacchaeus, I couldn't buy my way into a new identity. I couldn't buy eternal life. I couldn't make the condition of my life any better. I have rejected my identity. I have walked away. I've spit in the eye of community. And maybe today you're saying, I need to say yes to Jesus because of what he did. And if today you'd like to invite Jesus into your heart for the forgiveness of your sin, to have eternal life, then simply pray a prayer like this after me. Jesus, today I'm saying yes to you. I ask you to come in to my hardened heart and make me have a heart of flesh. I ask you, Jesus, to come into my life and make me a new creation. I've tried, I just can't do it. I ask you to forgive me of all my sin, not my mistakes, My sin. I ask you to give me eternal life in community with you. I want to know you. I want to know you're real. I want to know relationship with you. Today, Jesus, I'm saying yes to you. If you just prayed that, would you raise your hand up? Anywhere around the room that you're saying today. Today, I'm saying yes to Jesus. Right here up in the front, we've got some people who'd like to give you some information. Just keep holding your hand up. We'll get some people who are coming around to you. This is awesome right here up in the front. Anywhere else, just hold your hand up long enough, they'll find you. Anywhere around the room that you're saying, today, Jesus, I'll say yes to you. My pride doesn't want to let me do it. I'm angry, I'm frustrated, I'm upset. But God, I know that what I need the most is surrender. Then you just pray that prayer. You don't need me to prompt you. You just talk to Jesus. He hears you. He sees you. You've been treed, and he knows you're there. You've puffed yourself up, and he sees you. You just pray to him, and he'll find you right where you're at. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, right now is the time that you're saying, Jesus, Holy Spirit, who shall I invite into community? Who around me is rejected community, but I need to invite them to know you? Who among all the sheep of the world who are getting fleeced by everything they touch needs a good shepherd? And will you respond? We invite those people. We have a spiritual conversation. We nag them one more time. We ask them one more time. Jesus, we're so grateful that you didn't give up on us. That you love us. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, "Thank you for listening to the Sun Grove podcast." For information on Sun Grove Church, visit our website at sungrove.org.